I dreamt that I was walking through the streets of Boston, except that it was at night. And I was walking alongside with my wife holding my youngest daughter while my middle daughter, I had three daughters in this, this scenario. My middle daughter was skipping ahead of us by 10, 20 feet. And it was inherent when I was placed within this dream that my eldest daughter was missing and that this was a serious mission. And while we're crossing the Boston streets, and I remember vividly the red brick buildings, the colonial kind of architecture, and crossing along the T, or the public transit system, that there was snow coming down from the sky. It was dark at night. There were no other people. And it was just me, my wife, a baby, and my middle daughter, of approximating the age of, I don't know, 12? And so we're searching for my eldest daughter, who's 16, 17. And so while we're walking through these streets, I noticed that in the sky, there are some hues of orange, as if it was being lit up by, I don't know, mortar, fire. And upon closer examination, I realized that the snow falling from the sky wasn't actually snow, but it was ash. It was slowly raining ash, and the, there was no breeze. It was incredibly still. And so while I'm literally walking through a manifestation of hell, I wasn't panicking. But I did know that I needed to find my eldest daughter. And for whatever reason, the name Melanie or Melly spawned. It just came forth from my head, and I knew that that was her name. And these three daughters were, were my life. And while we're going through the streets of this weird, hellish, ash-raining Boston, with no other people around, complete stillness and no sound, I followed along with my wife, holding her baby. She would be about five feet behind me, and my middle daughter would be 10, 20 feet ahead. And while she's skipping and doesn't realize the gravity of the situation, she would just turn corners and we would follow her and we'd trek every single nook and cranny for where our, our missing family member was. And very much, I knew inherently that my my eldest daughter was was the the stereotypical manifestation of 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 logic of of in being the book smart kid, and my middle daughter was just full blown creative, just a, a artsy, happy go lucky, drifting, really floating through life. And of course, my youngest daughter is, is just a, a little baby, bundled up, can't even speak yet. And so this goes on for a few hours. I was just exploring through different alleyways and doors and mostly through the streets. We don't actually enter any buildings. 
until my middle daughter runs past us, just darts and cuts the corner too fast. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, shit. So me and my wife holding our youngest baby chase after her, turn the corner, and we see her about to open this door. And it's a particular kind of door that it's not on ground level, so to say, but that there are stairs that lead down to it. And it looks like a, like a, like a sunken door almost. Like it's not entirely into the basements, but that half the door was below ground level and half the door was above ground level. And so my middle daughter touches the doorknob and turns the door. And as she's turning it and opening it, in my head I'm thinking, or, or it's not necessarily that I'm thinking so much as that I inherently know this is a mistake, this is bad. And so she opens the door and I'm just in full panic of thinking, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. And from this door comes out this 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 decayed body that is somewhere between a mummy without bandages and something of an alien nature with gray skin that's been shriveled no eyes in its sockets and a and a mouth that is just empty and as this creature comes out it doesn't walk it it floats and this this alien mummy demon thing comes out and floats in and you can see in the same way that the heat alters your visuals and kind of uh messes with it on a very hot day how you can see like there are lines of i i don't know how to describe it but you can tell that the air around this creature was just warped and this creature came out, my daughter was in a panic, started running back to us. And what happened next all took place in slow motion. Um, I saw that there was a gun on the floor and I tried to reach for it, but it felt like I was, I was running through like molasses, like there was an elephant sitting on every square inch of my, my skin. I couldn't reach it. And this creature came out and, and floated in midair. And it didn't say or speak anything but it let out this this horrible noise of it's like a like a like an inhale like a and it was just scream that and so I'm terrified and while it's doing this it's it's shooting out these I guess what you could call psionic bullets and I see these bullets fly by it's very similar to the animation from like the movie The Matrix, if you've seen that. And they're not specifically bullets, but they're they're just like telekinetic, I guess. And they rip through my daughter in front of my eyes. And I see her just explode of of like twisted flesh and bone. And I can smell just rotten decay. And I can't reach the gun in time. And I look to my right, where my wife is holding my baby, our, our youngest daughter, and she's also getting blown apart to bits. And then finally, lastly, I'm also shot by this, this alien's abilities. And so then I wake up.
This is the Mystic Swims podcast. I'm your host, JT. And I suppose for this first episode, I should give some preface on what this is about and why I'm doing it. So I was drawn to the work of Carl Jung, famous psychologist and sometimes alleged mystic, which fed into the podcast name. But I was attracted to his work especially on dream interpretations through Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And while Dr. Peterson doesn't necessarily touch upon the interpretation of dreams as much, Carl Jung definitely did. I totally recommend the book Modern Man in Search of a Soul. Uh, That was key in how I formed my personal interpretations of dreams, visions, and... I suppose things of that nature. Classical psychology will tell you that dreams and psychedelic visions are just random, just firings of the brain and have no inherent meaning. But Jung and his work influenced me to believe that the fact that there's a narrative arc to it is not necessarily our attempt to create meaning within a random series of images or memories, if you can even call them that. It feels more true to me that these are, as Jung proposed, the unconscious communicating with the conscious. That is your subconscious or unconscious. I'm not quite clear on the vocabulary here. But the things that are a part of you that you don't consciously have awareness of are communicating with the part of you that is, by definition, self-awareness. I think that's incredibly interesting. And so a bit of personal history, I suppose, is that I've had very vivid dreams. Very, very, very vivid dreams. I've had multiple dreams, a lot of them recurring, and they often don't stop until there's an issue or some kind of thing in my conscious life that I need to address. To be frank, I have not perfectly outlined what I would like to do with this podcast, if I would like to have guests on this podcast, specifically because through my readings of Carl Jung, I've come to realize that if you do follow that perspective where dreams are the unconscious speaking with the conscious, there have definitely been cases among me and my friends, where the dreamer does not totally recognize the significance of the dream, but it is very apparent to everyone else in the room. And oftentimes it is something deeply personal that they may not want broadcast out into the world, which is why I've, for the time being, been hesitant on having guests come on and speak about their dreams. And it's often the case that a lot of people think it's fun And I've taken a much more serious approach, I suppose. So one of the interesting things that Jung mentioned was that dreams are often very dependent on what's happening in one's conscious life. And so what was going on with my life during this this period where I would have these intense dreams, always involving the death of my three daughters, usually by supernatural, but sometimes by my hand, 
of just extreme terror was that I had a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol. I was drinking way too much and uh, had no purpose or meaning or no goals to be oriented towards. It was just a like a partying lifestyle. That's truly what it was with tons of alcohol because of boredom. And what was interesting was that once I had stopped, not because I had interpreted the dream, but because I eventually had to <laughs> clean myself up and get a job and whatnot, the dream stopped. And it wasn't until a year after when I had found Dr. Jordan B. Peterson and became more interested in Carl Jung and then read Modern Man in Search of a Soul that I came to realize that the dreams might have stopped because of the change of lifestyle. And so my interpretation of the dream very much was that where I was was hell, and I knew it. I was aimless, and it was not a sustainable way to live. And the monster at the end, this alien mummy demon thing, was my alcoholism. It was something just so alien, it had no eyes, no mouth, which was representative of ultimately how bad I got. With no vision and no clarity in my speech. And so what would I lose if I kept pursuing this monster? Well, my three daughters, oddly enough, seem to represent something similar to, I believe, what Plato has put forth as tres parties. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But it's the idea that your psyche can be organized into three distinct categories. One of logic or logos. One of spirit or I guess something similar to emotions. And the base being appetitive or what you need to survive on a base physical level. So those would be your hunger and sexual needs and, you know, thirst for water, that sort of thing. And so these three buckets would vary. How you organize your inner self, your psyche, and that they would be stacked so that at the base would be the appetitive because at, at the very base, like, you need to eat, you need to drink. And then comes the emotional or spiritual, I suppose. And on top of that is the, the logician. And so that actually completely mirrored on top of how my three daughters were structured. With the youngest being appetitive, babies are needy. You know, at that point, it's they, they don't even have theory of mind. They don't understand language. For, for my, my child didn't understand language. And I very much read that the baby my wife was carrying was representative of future potential. My middle daughter, I had said, was the artist, full-blown creative, and that, oddly enough, fits in with this three-category system Plato had come up with. And at the very top, that book, Smart Nerd, Our Missing Daughter, was the logician, Logos. 
And this idea was not sprung on to me by research. I'd actually described this dream to several friends and one of them said, this sounds exactly like this. And so that ultimately was mind-blowing that something that I had not read or come upon matched what I had experienced, which is a very peculiar phenomenon. That being said, I ultimately recognized that the three daughters were representative of parts of myself and that the lesson behind this particular dream was if you continue down this path where you're led by pure impulse, my middle daughter, just fully swimming in the chaotic sea and just drifting along with no aim and no direction and just pure impulse, pure immediate gratification, that I would not only lose my eldest daughter, but that I would lose everything. I would lose the logical side of myself. I would lose the emotional side of myself. And I would lose my, my wife, my opportunity to form a bond with a partner. And I would lose the youngest daughter, potential. And just by pure happenstance, I stopped. The dream stopped. And now I pay a much closer keen eye on what I'm dreaming and what's going on in my conscious life in order to help me maybe see some things that I'm not fully aware of, but that my unconscious is. And with regards to how I interpret dreams, I think what Jung pointed out in Modern Man in Search of a Soul is actually very crucial. There's one point in the book when he describes that I think the example he uses is a horse. That what is representative of a horse for me may not be representative of a horse for you. That is to say, if we both dream about a horse, it's not as simple as saying, oh, the horse represents X. It's very individual, but at the same time, there are, as Jung proposed, some collective unconscious, some some symbols that are so deep that they are universal. It's hard to distinguish between the two. But I find that by reading a lot more about Jung, Neumann, and some Gnostic texts, I suppose, truly helped me navigate dreams a lot more. I think reading and knowing more about these kinds of symbols and what myths and hero arcs and all this this specific archetypal vein really acts as a a map for the unconscious. It's it's necessary to have a map. It just is. And these come from my personal reflections on dreams as well as psychedelic trips. I find it's a lot easier to interpret what goes on during those experiences. And so if you're interested in decoding some of your own dreams, 
I would recommend keeping a dream journal. But not only write down what objectively happens within the dream. What I mean by that is that if you had a story where, I don't know, your mother came in and cut your dog's head off, that might be what objectively happened. But what's more important is, was it your actual mother? Was it the idea of mother? Was it the relationship of you and your mother? That is the specifics that you have to pinpoint. What is that manifestation within my dream? Is it the abstraction or can I see her face? And then on top of that, when my mother comes in, Am I happy to see her? Am I frightened? Am I panicked? Am I indifferent? When my mother cuts off the dog's head, same things apply. Is the dog happy? Does the dog know what's happening? Is the dog frightened? Do I, am I frightened for the dog? Am I empathizing with the dog? Am I happy the dog's head is getting cut off? All these things are important because that emotional or, or even that how, how that idea or that abstraction of mother or dog is manifested within your dream, whether they're actual examples of real, like a real dog you know, or if it's just, oh, it's the idea that a dog was beheaded. Those things are important in interpreting the dream. And so my advice is to write down everything you can possibly know about the dream, about what you felt, because the texture or the mood or the atmosphere and whether or not it was a real example or the idea of an abstraction is crucial another example might be when you're walking through an alleyway and you're walking with friends well are they actual individual friends do you know them do you know their faces or is it just the idea of friends sometimes we have dreams where it's it's the idea you can't really count the number of friends that you're walking with, but you know that you're surrounded by friends. And so that's an important detail because then what you're wrestling with is not your individual friends, but the idea of friendship. Anyways, this concludes the first episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Good evening.